How are you, church? All right? Fantastic. Hey, let's get straight into it. Eh? If you've got your Bibles, thank you, Sam. If you can turn in your Bibles or scroll in your Bibles to the very last verse in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. So 2 Corinthians, it'll be chapter 13, verse 14. Okay, so we're just going to read from there. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. Joshua is running the slides out the back, so thank you, brother. He's going to bring it up for us on a slide. And so, oh, you, by the way, Manawatea Matariki. Hope you've enjoyed your Matariki weekend. But look, let's read these words. Paul, Paul has had some raru raru with the Corinthian church. If you read through First and Second Corinthians, there's some pastoral issues going on and, and some of them don't really rate him. And, and so he's had to show some real pastoral sensitivity in the church. And so he, he, he writes these letters and then right at the end, he has this beautiful uh, prayer or benediction that he prays for the Corinthians. So let's have a look. Verse 14, chapter 13, he says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful blessing. You might often hear it as a karakia whakamutonga, as a, as, a, as, a, as a karakia or a prayer that's used to finish off a meeting. They'll, they'll, they'll speak it in Māori. They'll say, kia tau, kia te atato katoa. Uh, or or the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here's this beautiful Trinitarian prayer for Paul. He's just being naturally, he's naturally uh, speaking to the three, the, the, the three persons of God. And so he says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, because it's Jesus is the one who comes who's full of grace and truth. Because you and I, eh, we know we've been saved by grace through our faith and our trust in Jesus, nothing to do with our good works, nothing to do with our good looks, nothing to do with how brainy we are or how wealthy we are, or nothing to do with that, but all because of his grace, it's a gift. And so he says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, because the Corinthians haven't been very gracious, he's praying for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to be among them. And then he goes on and he says, me te o te atua, and the love of God, and of course, one of the most famous verses in the New Testament, John 3, 16. For God loved the world so much. For God so loved the world, he sent his son. So we know that this is God the Father because he sent his son. He loves. God is love. And so he prays again because the Corinthians haven't been very loving that the love of God would be among them. And then there's this last phrase, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Um, May the, the, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. And it can be understood in two terms, in two ways. One, that you and I as individuals would have an intimate fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Because you and I can't be Christians unless the Holy Spirit's within us. If we don't have the Spirit within us, we don't belong to Christ. Paul writes that. To the Romans. So there's this, there's this connection that we have to fellowship with the Holy Spirit who leads us, who guides us, who speaks to us. But it can also be understood in another way where the Holy Spirit creates a fellowship among his people so that we dwell in unity as a loving community. So the Holy Spirit creates that community among his people. So it's an individual thing and it's a communal thing. And I want to speak from that this morning, uh, this evening, because... I don't think anyone noticed Pastor Tim. So I, was going. <laughs> I want to talk about this this evening because I think sometimes fellowship's a strange word for us because we don't use it in normal everyday language, do we? We don't say, 
You know, hey, honey, where are you going? Oh, I must just stop for some fellowship with the lads, mum. We don't say that, do we? It's, not, it's, it's sort of an old word. It's a fuddy-duddy word. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a word that can sort of be lost on us. But I want, I want to speak about it this evening because it's actually a powerful word. It's a strong word and it's a noble word. And it's a very human word in that it describes the way you and I are meant to be as God intended us to be, as God created us to be. And so what I want to do before I I get to sort of a a pastoral reflection on this, I want to sort of paint a picture around fellowship, okay? So do we have any Tolkien fans here? Any nerds, Lord of the Ring nerds? Yes, I saw some hands going up like this. Yeah. And so whether you've read the books or you've watched the movies, how many movies are there? Lord of the Rings. Don't count the Hobbit movies. Don't count the Hobbit ones. Yeah, three. Okay, cool. So we've got three Lord of the Rings movies. They're all known as Lord of the Rings, but they each got a subtitle, haven't they? What's the subtitle for that first film? The Fellowship of the Rings. Okay. So um, if you have a look at it, so we've got this, this, this story going on. So there's this evil threatening Middle Earth, eh? And if you know Tolkien, who was involved in translating the Jerusalem Bible, he was a Bible scholar, language scholar, he wanted us to read that and sense the idea of God's providential hand at work in Middle Earth, that God was guiding things. And so this ring that can destroy evil falls into the hands of one of the most humble creatures in the whole of Middle Earth, a hobbit by the name of Frodo Baggins. And so he has to be able to take the ring Uh, to Mount Doom in order for it to be destroyed, but he can't do it on his own. So his mates come with him, don't they? Mary, Pippin, Samwise, Gamgee. So four hobbits, cool. It's not nerdy knowing those names, is it? Yeah, okay, good. I just heard some of you laughing. Show some respect to you people. Gee, no, no, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. So you've got these four hobbits, okay. But but then as they're, they're, they're talking at the Council of Elrond, okay, sorry, that's getting too nerdy. But you've got these four hobbits, and so they're still not going to do it on their own. And so suddenly Aragorn steps forward, and he goes, you shall have my sword, right? And then, and then uh, Legolas the elf steps forward, and he goes, and my bow. <laughs> and Gimli, son of Gloin, steps forward, and my axe. And so you've got this diverse group of guys, and you've got Gandalf the Grey. And so you've got these nine guys who are going to watch each other's backs, and they're going to go through everything together uh, in order to... And they are the fellowship of the ring. And so they go up they go up into mountain passes. They go into the mines of Moria. They try and cross the bridge of Khazad-dûm, and they face all sorts of harsh things together. They're a fellowship, okay? The fellowship of the rings. I love how one writer puts it. This is no chummy hobnob with drinks and a game on the tube. It's an all-in, life-or-death collective venture in the face of great evil and overwhelming opposition. That's fellowship. That's fellowship. I think of um, uh, you know, Henry V. There's a great play by Shakespeare where Henry V is trying to encourage his soldiers. They're outnumbered five to one. They're looking across at the French army who outnumbered them five to one, and they're going, we're going to get a hiding. If only we had 10,000 of the guys back in England, we could maybe win. And Henry V goes, oh, no, we don't need anyone else. We're enough. More honor for those of us who are here. If anyone wants to leave, I'll pay for their ticket home. We would not die in that man's company who fears his fellowship to die with us. And then he goes on, really famous phrase, you might recognize it, because he goes on and says, those of us who are here today, we're going to be remembered, we few, we happy few, we band of brothers. 
For he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother, be he near so vile, this day shall gentle his condition. We're brothers because we're going through this hardship together. Um, that's not to, to, to sort of elevate war or anything like that, but just to point out that there's something about facing adversity and life together that creates a bond of brotherhood and fellowship. And that's, that's sort of what... Anyone here play sports, team sports? You, 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 do you get a sense of that when, you, when you're playing a team? I remember, I remember I'm still playing rugby, and we played, we played, we played Melville, right? And, and their forward pack were huge. They had four guys over 150 kilos. And yeah, they had four guys over 150 kilos. Lightest guy was 120 kilos. And these Polynesian giants just kept hammering our line, hammering our line. And, and it was just us. And we were, we, were, we, were hold, we were holding the line. It was bending. We, we, were, we were on our try line the whole of the second half. And someone would make a tackle and we'd be banging them on the back and we'd help our mate up. And, and in the end, when it finished, we were so, so happy, you know, because we had gone through it together. No, no, no one who, you know, there's something about going through that stuff together that creates a bond. And then off the field too, you know, we, we've buried mates who have passed away. We've prayed for, you know, gone, gone and visited whānau members who are sick. You go through stuff together. They're my brothers. John, John and I play in the same team. We're brothers, eh? That's the, that's the language that we use. Guys from all these different backgrounds. Brothers, game this weekend. Brothers. But I've also experienced this, this sense of fellowship in the church, this, this gritty fellowship, this band of brothers sense of, 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 of closeness within the church. Um, I remember a number of years ago, I was part of a men's group, and we would, meet, we would meet once every fortnight. And on the first fortnight, we would do something social. We would go bowling, we would uh, go and play pool, we'd... we'd you know, play games or something. We just have fun, have a feed, have fun. So we'd do that every fortnight. And then every second fortnight, we would meet together and we would open the word and we would come around scripture and we would pray together and we would be accountable to one another for our, our being fathers and being husbands and we would be vulnerable and we'd share our stories and we would, we would pray for one another and support one another. And, so, and, then, and then the next two weeks we'd do something social and then back to study, social study, social study. Quick question. Which one of those meetings do you think most guys turned up to? We would have 10, 12 guys sometimes when we went and played pool. How many do you reckon turned up when we come around the scriptures? Yeah, sometimes two, three, maybe four or five, but, but it, was, it was a whole lot less, right? And then much later on, the group, uh, the band broke up. And, and I remember one of the boys uh, rang me and he was really disappointed. He said, oh man, he said, I thought we were brothers. I thought we were brothers. And I reflected on it and I thought, you see, see, brotherhood doesn't come from playing cards and playing pool and, and going bowling as, and, have, and, and having fun together. As important as those things are, as important as those things are, but rather the brotherhood, the closeness, the intimacy, the, the fellowship, that came from sharing our lives together and the struggles of our life, the stresses of life, from coming together in humility, from reflecting on God's word, from praying for one another, from facing adversity together, from having one another's backs. That's where the brotherhood come from. And I'll come back to that story a little bit later on this evening. Acts 2 verse 42 is, uh, 
it's a well-known passage describing the life of the early church, and it talks about how the early church uh, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to koinonia. It's a Greek word for commonality, for partnership, for fellowship. And that koinonia, that fellowship that the early Christians shared, wasn't anchored in a common love for coffee, or pizza, or hanging out at Macca's, as good as those things may be. But rather, as, as one pastor writer that I, I enjoy puts it, he says, its essence was in their common Christ and their common life or death mission together in his summons to take the faith worldwide in the face of impending persecution. Quite different, eh? So fellowship, it's a, beautiful, it's a beautiful concept. It's a noble word. So what does this have to do with this idea of closer, eh? Because that's what we're talking about, that Pastor Sheridan's invited us on this journey of coming closer to God. Well, I, uh, I recall a time a little while ago where, where I was going through a, whole, a really hard time. There's a whole lot of uh, upheaval and change going on in my life. I was quite worried about the present. I was quite uncertain and nervous about the future. And because of, because of all of that uncertainty, it raised questions about identity and worth and, and all, all that sort of stuff. You know, what's the plan going forward? And I remember talking to my wife one evening talking to Rachel about it and she said she encouraged me she said Simon you need to press into God you need to you need to press into God because it's it's in God that you'll be able to find your identity and your worth and direction that, that's where you, that's where you need to go you need to press into God and it was lovely coming from her because she's someone who walks the talk you know she wasn't just it wasn't a throwaway thing oh you need to press into God you know she was someone who actually lived that and so I thought yeah, cool. But what was interesting was what she was saying and what I heard were two different things, okay? So, so for Rachel, pressing into God, for her, she would go away into her room, play worship music, spend time alone with God, and fill her mind with the Word of God, spend time with God, and there she would hear from God, and that's her getting closer to God, right? When, when I heard her say, I'm, you need to press into God, I went, true, I do. I need to go and catch up with a brother, I need to go and talk to someone. I need to get out of my aloneness, away from my, um, my swirling emotions and my, my, my thoughts going everywhere and sit with a brother and come, come, and, and come and speak with him. And that's where I'll hear from God. That, that, was, that was how I responded to it. Because I think fellowship is a real key for us living closer to God. I think it's part of how we were created to be. Because I often find that it's in the embrace and intimacy of the one another life that the New Testament talks about. Forgive one another, love one another, submit to one another, bear one another's burdens. It's in that fellowship, it's in that, fellowship that I often feel God's presence and hear his voice and draw closer to him. So as we reflect on this theme of drawing closer with God, it's very easy to think in individualistic terms, isn't it? To, to get closer to God, or do you, you've got to read your Bible, you've got to pray, maybe do something like fasting. And those are, those are awesome things to do. But they're often things that we do on our own, eh? They're things that we do on our own. And they're good and they're necessary. But there's also a communal dimension to spiritual practices. Who knows, you can pray with two or three people. You can pray in big groups. You can read the Bible on your own. You can read the Bible. So, so there's, a, there's an individualistic component to our faith, but there's also a corporate dimension. Okay? So we, we weren't designed to journey through this world on our own. In order for us to grow, we all need other people who, 
who are going to walk with us, who will affirm us, who will encourage us, who will care for us, who will forgive us, and where we can experience unconditional love like God's love. It's part of being salt and light. The world looks in and sees us doing that because we're living that. Um, Joshua has uh, got a, another slide for us. A Christian writer, Max Licardo, puts it like this. He says, Christ distributes courage through community. He dissipates doubts through fellowship. He never deposits all knowledge in one person, but distributes pieces of the jigsaw puzzle to many. When you interlock your understanding with mine, and we share discoveries when we mix, mingle, confess, and pray, Christ speaks. Jesus speaks. So when we meet together in fellowship, Christ speaks, and we can find his presence, we can draw closer. And the fellowship, this fellowship with one another can take place in all sorts of uh, different formats. It can happen in large groups, like, like gatherings like this, or you know, prayer meetings, or the Bible study, it, it can happen. But, but the, 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 those are excellent. Do not give up meeting together, the writer of Hebrews says. But the fellowship I want to speak about tonight is much smaller in scope. It's a more personal connection between intimates. In my mind, I call it catching up with a brother, catching up with a sister. When we meet together in loving acceptance, connection, then we can experience God's love, his grace, and his power. I think whenever we turn our faces to one another in, in, in love like that, God is there in our midst. Uh, Tato took all the words of Max Licardo earlier. I've often found in such intimate encounters, that's where Christ speaks. And so true fellowship begins when we can bring ourselves authentically and openly to the conversation, free to take off any masks and pretense and actually be honest with, with one another. And you don't just do that with anyone. No, you've got to protect your heart. But as, 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 as you find people trustworthy, the relationship can deepen and you can share. Then, in that sort of uh, fellowship, we can then be accountable. We can hold one another accountable. I can be held accountable by someone that I know and trust. Uh, we can challenge one another. You know, we can hit one another up about our behavior, about our words, hold one another to account. We can be encouraged. If we're down, we can have a brother help, you know, giving us an uplifting word. We can seek guidance or advice when we're not sure what to do. And what I want to sort of major on this evening is that we can be comforted in our suffering and in our hard times. Because we all go through that, eh? So with that in mind, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Uh, Joshua, another slide we've got there. God's word calls for us to be happy with those who are happy and to weep with those who weep. Another version puts it this way. If they are sad, share their sorrow. So love journeys with people through all types of weather, eh? So uh, sings with them, suffers with them, uh, goes through laughter, through tears, always looking to be able to be closer. Uh, I was reading uh, about Rabbi Elliot Kukler was telling a story about a woman with a brain injury who would sometimes uh, fall to the floor. And people around her would rush immediately to get her back on her feet. Uh, but it was before she was quite ready to stand again. And she told Rabbi Kukler, on one occasion, she said, I think people rush to help me because they're so uncomfortable with seeing an adult lying on the floor. But what I really need is for someone to get down on the ground with me. We all need someone to get down on the ground with us, amen? 
At the heart of our faith, that's what Jesus did. Who being in very nature God, considered equality with God not something to be grasped, but he humbled himself. Took upon the form of a servant, took upon human likeness, and was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And he entered down into the muck and the mire of our world in order to pull us out. He got down on the ground with us. That's at the very heart of our faith. And it's something that we're called to do with one another. For me, it was a shock when my, when, my, when my daddy died, when my father died, 12 years ago. And it's no exaggeration to say that it's not a day goes by that I don't think of him. It was a, it was a huge shock. And I remember for three days, for three days I didn't eat. And I emerged on that third day and one of the ladies from our church, Ann Bevan, had made a lasagna. And I thought, gee, that was really thoughtful. And I ate the whole thing. It was about that big. <laughs> I ate the whole thing cold. I had that much and then I had a bit more and a bit more. But I remember just being really touched, you know, at that time. And then I had a mate come around and he wanted to take me out. So we jump in the car. Poor guy, because I, I, I couldn't talk. I was just grieving. And so we're in the car on the way to the restaurant. I'm just silent. Tumbleweed blowing across the dashboard. It's just <laughs> awkward. And we get to the restaurant eating our steak meal. It's just silent. I think, I think I said to him at one stage, yes, yeah, sorry, mate, this must be hard. <sighs> Carried on eating. And then we went to a movie, Green Lantern, terrible film, <laughs> terrible film, horrible. We sat there all the way through it. I'm just going, this sucks. You know, so we, and, then, and then we went home, silent, you know. And I thought, gee, it must have been terribly awkward for him. And I know it was, because we've talked about it in years since. <laughs> um, and it would be very easy to think back on, on that evening and to think of it as a failure on his part. You know, there's no visible lift in my spirits. He didn't uh, provide any revitalizing or magical words of wisdom that drew me from the depths of my grief. But here's the thing, he was there. He was there. He sat across the table from me, come and pick me up. Um, to use Rabbi Cookler's words, he got down on the ground with me. And he's been there many times since. I, th I think this is, you know, I'll go back to that story. He was one of those two or three guys that we would meet every two weeks. We would open the Bible and we would pray and we would talk about our marriages and our children. He was one of those guys. Guy I've known 30 odd years. So when I meet with him, I'm not Pastor Simon. I'm Simon, I'm a brother, and we, we, we were able to just talk. I've always appreciated the Māori saying and value, he kanuhi ikitia, a face seen. So in times of grief, and I can, in times of grief, I may not remember what you say, but I saw that you were there, okay? And, uh, and I can remember at my dad's funeral, a lot of people spoke to me. I, can't, I, just, I just saw people doing this. You know, I can't remember words spoken. But I saw so-and-so grab a tea towel and go in the kitchen. Or, so, or someone else come up and just rub me on the shoulder and sigh. And, and I saw you were there. It's very indigenous. Western, Western culture, we, we really place an emphasis on words, the need for words, don't we? To, you know, I need to say something. I'm sorry for your lot. You know? And that's okay. That's a cultural thing. But in indigenous cultures, it's more about being seen, being present, being there. You know? And so I've always, I've always appreciated that value. It's easy for us to pull back from people who are suffering. Eh? I think sometimes we don't. If you read the Psalms, the bulk of the Psalms are lament. 
They're about people bringing their hardship and their suffering and their hard times to God. And then somehow moving through that into worship. I don't know if we do that terribly well in Western culture. But nevertheless, we find it awkward, don't we, sometimes with people in suffering. We think, oh, what should we say? Oh, should I go around or not? And then suddenly we've left it too long and oh, now it's just even more awkward. And so we end up putting it in the too hard basket. And we end up avoiding. And to this end, I've found Philip Yancey's writing, really, he's, he's written some amazing stuff. But uh, I found his writing invaluable. And we've got another slide there. Thank you, Joshua. And this is something he says for, about supporting those who are going through hard times. He says, so he, he spoke to a lot of people Going through suffering, this is what he found. It is not our words or insights that they want most. It is our mere presence. It matters little what we say. Our concern and availability matters far more. Just being there. Just being there. Loving presence and suffering. I can remember one mate. I remember when we miscarried, before we had Ruby, um, Rachel miscarried, and we were shattered because, you know, we were dreaming, looking forward to having children. And I had a mate, I can remember him coming in and just sitting on the couch and strumming the guitar and he was just reading the room and my mum and dad were talking and stuff was going on. He just, and he sat there for about an hour, played the guitar, got up and left. But I saw him and he was there. Another time he took me out, went for a feed, what do you want to do? Oh, I don't know. Another time we sat down and we, 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 we really went at it discussing God in the midst of that stuff. But it was just, you know, fantastic, loving presence in the midst of suffering. I've had brothers sit with me in the silence of my grief, grapple with me and my questions of God and hard times. And then for myself, you know, to, we, all of us here, we can be led by the Holy Spirit uh, in silence or, or speaking in order to support people going through hard times. You know, we may not know what to say, but our physical presence and our availability can communicate God's love and minister grace for our brother or sister in their time of need. We can be there. As my brother loved me, I felt God's love. As my brother sat with me, God wasn't far from me. As he sat with me, I felt I was closer to God. And so fellowship is an incredible Christian truth that helps us draw closer to God, our Father, as we draw closer to one another as his children. John, I'll ask you to come back up. Thank you, brother. And so just, just in closing, look, I, I was once reading about... Um, I was once reading about men's health in New Zealand and I came across an article interviewing a guy called Ricky Sione from Talanga Counselling. And he was speaking on the importance of community and friendships in the context of men's health. And he used a boxing analogy saying that a boxer has a couple of people in his corner, such as a coach or a medic, and they all play specific roles in his life. So whatever happens in the ring, he knows he can come back and trust who's ever in his corner. And then he encourages us to find out who's in our corner and in whose corner do I stand? And so you reflect on that. You know, if I'm out on the canvas, you know, getting beaten up, my legs are going wobbly and I'm just waiting for the bell to go so I can, I can, I can, I can get a breather. Who's, who's in my corner that I know can speak to me when my head drops? So I'm sitting there going, man, I can't do it. I can't get back up again. I can't do it. I can't do it. Who, who's, who's in my corner that can speak to me? Whose corner do I stand in ready with a towel and, 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 and a drink bottle to be able to go, no, come on, come on, brother. You can do this. No, no, that's not, you know. And, and, and of course, when you're down and the lies of the enemy start to, 
to come in and they start to take root and you're able to sit there and go, no, no, that's a lie. That's not true. This is what the Word of God says. That's not true, brother. No, 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 you're better than that. We need that. We, 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 we all need that. So who's in your corner? And in whose corner do you stand ready to support? God works through our brothers and sisters in Christ as a means to transform us, to challenge us, and to help us to grow and mature. There are many paths to drawing closer to God. Um, Have a listen to Pastor Michael's message from this morning where he spoke about the sacred pathways and just the different ways in which people connect with God. We're all wired differently. We're all wired differently. But what we've explored this evening is that one way to closeness with God is our closeness with one another. And, you know, he wants us to be part of his family. As part of his family, God wants us closer to one another as his children. John 3.16, I spoke to it earlier this evening. But, you know, it's a beautiful verse. God loves the world so much that he sent his son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him personalize that truth. God loves you so much that He sent His Son into the world not to condemn you, but to save you. He wants to save you. So through good times, hard times, celebrations and struggles, I found such catching up with a brother, sister or mentor Fellowship has been a key for me, being able to hear from God, to press into God, to stay close from God, to get back up when I'm a bit winded or being kicked in the guts, to be able to to get up and keep going. And so my prayer this evening for us is that as you build relationships and fellowship with God and with one another, drawing closer as brothers and sisters, drawing closer to God who loves you, that you too can hear God's voice, that you can experience His grace, his presence, His love. I wanna pray for you, but if you just wanna respond to God, particularly this evening in any way, just stand while I pray. And I'd love to pray God's blessing. As Monique shared earlier, just in that silence, as God has spoken to you, just, 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 just meet with God in this sacred place. God who knows your heart, loves you. And I wanna pray this evening. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you that you don't leave us alone in this world, Lord, but the Lord, that you guide us by your spirit. You have our backs, Lord. You, O God, are our shield, our light. You are our foundation. But Lord, you've also said how good it is, Lord, and pleasant when brothers dwell together in unity. And so, Lord, I pray that as brothers and sisters, Lord, that we would be able to live as a, as a whānau that reflects your heart, Lord, that we would be able to love one another, support one another, be there for one another in a way that brings pleasure to you as our Father and in a way that the world can look in and say, as, as they did about the early church, see how much they love one another. Lord, for my brothers and sisters who are responding to you this evening, I pray that by you, you would fill them by your spirit. 
Fill them with your spirit, Lord. Wrap them in your embrace. Answer the deep prayer of their heart, Lord. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you, Lord. Longs for the living God. Lord, would you answer their prayer this evening? I pray God's blessing upon you, my brothers and sisters. I pray the Lord would bless you and keep you. I pray the Lord would make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Pray the Lord will lift up his countenance upon you all and give you peace. And now, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. In Jesus' name we pray.